Hello and welcome to the podcast where we challenge the narrative. What narrative, you may ask? Well, woke narratives, deceitful narratives, misleading narratives, narratives that use information that isn't always technically false, but such information is always twisted somehow to cause division and even to demobilize certain groups. So I am here to challenge, I'm here to confront, I'm here to ask questions, to explore different views, different perspectives, and make no mistake, I bow down to no mob, but my aim here is not to offend anyone. I like to approach these topics with care, with respect, with balance, but it is likely that people will still find offense because these topics I explore are sensitive and even deemed controversial. But what I say isn't controversial, it's just what I say. You know, things that I say are things that people don't like to hear. But we have to have these conversations, we have to keep speaking. We must explore all ideas, all thoughts, all viewpoints, because there are over 7 billion people in this world and there isn't a linear narrative that everyone must subscribe to or believe. No, that's not how life works. So thank you for tuning into this podcast. Um... I want to share some ways that you can support this podcast. Three main ways that are very important for me. You can share it on your social media. You can share this podcast. You can share the episodes with your friends and family. You can also send me any feedback, you know, about the podcast. You know, anything that you agreed with and even things that you disagreed with. You can support me that way because I'd love to hear from you and I love hearing feedback. And also you can support this podcast if you find value in it and if you like what I'm saying and if you like this podcast, you can support this on Patreon as well. And Patreon is the way that I've chosen to use to help me develop this podcast, develop my work and the support that I've received so far has really, really helped. It's really helped with the quality of the content that I'm putting out there as well. So feel free to become a patron. I appreciate all the support as always and you will get a personal thank you card from me and there's other cool things there as well. So please go there. It's patreon.com slash Ada Akpala and the link will be in this podcast as well. So today I'm going to be talking about being black and I will explore this with you as this episode goes on. So don't worry. But before that, um, On my social media, a lot of people reach out to me for advice and I'm grateful that they find value in my opinion. A few people reached out to me. Um, It seems like everyone is standing up in their workplaces and schools nowadays, so that's cool. Um, So one person, they shared my content in their classroom, um, both in US, um, which is also great. And this girl that that shared my content with her classroom and with her classmates, is currently getting backlash um, because she's being outcast because of her opinions and because of people's opinions that she agrees with. And a, a similar situation happened as well in someone else's workplace where they shared my um, last podcast episode in a meeting and apparently their colleagues as well are, you know, distant from them and weary of them and, and so on and so forth. So first of all, I want to say, you know, that is so brave and I'm <laughs> sound like a mama, but I'm I'm proud of you. I'm proud of that because that's what needs to be happening in the world right now. People need to be 
free, you know, especially in countries that claim to be free. How can we be stifled in thought and in speech because we are worried about what people will say, we're worried about losing our place, we're worried about losing jobs and things like that. Well, then we don't live in a free country. You know, we live in a free country where there's a condition that your freedom of thought has to be in line of mainstream and accepted standards, you know, and and that's not right. You know, we don't all have to agree, but we all need to hear what is in each other's mind, you know, because that's how we know how to progress, how to act, how not to act. So I will share how I handled it. When I was outcast by my friends, then I realized that they weren't my friends. They weren't because a friend, you know, is someone who maybe they may not agree with everything you say, but they, they support you, you know. So my advice is to get new friends, find new friends who, who have a similar mindset to you. For example, I lost many friends, but I gained so many amazing friends that, you know, are so intelligent, smart, full of wisdom. They're always enriching instead of taking away from me, instead of, you know, trying to judge me, trying to find me slipping up so that they can attack me somehow you know, they're always finding ways to build me up, to propel me forward. And that's a friend. A friend is there to make you better, not worse. So find new friends. Most of my friends now I've never even met. How amazing is that? But they have done so much more from, for me, you know, during my time that I've been doing this work in this last year, they have done so much more for me than so-called friends that I used to ride or die with when I was, you know, younger, when I was growing up. And even until recently, friends that if I needed them, they were nowhere to be found. So I always say, find, find a new environment, find a new space. You don't need people. You know, we can't restrict ourselves because we want to fit in. We want to be part of the crowd. No, stand out against the crowd because look, I'll say one thing before I uh, move on. Sometimes we think we're being outcast and sometimes that's the case, but you have no idea how many people from afar start to admire you, start to find you as a great inspiration. They will never say it to your face probably never ever, but I I bet you, I guarantee you when they go home at night, all they think about is how brave, you know, of a person you are. Believe me. So yeah, I hope it helped. So I'm doing this this series called The Thoughts of a Self-Hating Black Woman. The reason I'm doing so is because I've had certain experiences in my life with black people, with white people and so on and so forth. That's caused me to have a certain perspective you know, about racial relations, racism and things like that. And because of my opinions, this has caused me to be labeled a self-hating black woman by black people, never by white people, or shall I say scarcely by white people to my face anyway, but black people have always found an opportunity to call me self-hating. So I want to share these thoughts, these experiences that have, that have invited such a label to be placed upon me. And I want to talk about my experience about being black today. There has always been instances where I've been told that I was somehow not black enough, you know? So I want, I want to explore what it means to be black. If I wasn't black enough, what does it mean to be black enough? It certainly can't be just about your skin color anymore, because if it was, then hello, I am black as it can be, but it doesn't stop people from saying that I'm not or I don't belong to the black community, 
or I can't be claimed as one of their own. I was always somehow a disgrace, a disappointment, a traitor to my group and my skin colour. Again, and all this was due to the fact that I thought, spoke and behaved, quote unquote, behaved differently to how, again, quote unquote, a normal or typical black person was supposed to think, speak and behave. And you know, I, I don't like this expression. I don't like when people say things like, well, you're not a typical black person. You're not a typical white person. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that you were this or that color and so on and so forth. I, I don't, what does this mean? You know, why are certain standards of behavior, why do we seem to pin it to groups of people? And these sorts of comments, they still perplex me till this day. The fact that there seems to be different types of quote unquote black and there are certain unspoken and even spoken conditions for a black person to meet in order to be considered authentically black or black enough to stay in the exclusive community. I mean, we can all remember, you know, when Joe Biden said um, during the US 2020 um, presidential race, you know, we we can remember when he expressed on, I I believe it's the Breakfast Club or show, um, with Charlemagne the the God, um, someone who is, you know, a highly esteemed person in a black community. But that didn't stop Joe Biden saying that anyone struggling, sorry, any black person struggling to decide whether they should vote for Trump or him wasn't black. If you're, if you're wondering whether to vote for me or Trump, then you ain't black. You ain't black. So let's explore this. The context, for those who don't know, I have audiences everywhere, but as many of, as many people in the US know, black people in the United States have historically and consistently voted for and aligned with the Democratic Party. So in that specific instance, what Joe Biden was literally saying was that the party's policies, so the Democratic Party's policies and their strategies and plans were in effect a secondary matter. This was a secondary matter to be concerned about by the black community. What should matter more was that the black community, quote unquote, stay in line and do what they'd always done, which was essentially voting for the Democratic Party. Doing so allows them to stay loyal to their blackness. Any alternative action would signal some betrayal to who they are. You know, this is a little bit similar in the UK. You know, the left political party, the Labour Party, you know, they've always been sort of the party of the ethnic minorities or for the ethnic minorities, can I say, for the oppressed, for the marginalised, you know. But the Conservative Party here, similar to the US, has always been labelled the racist, white supremacist, nationalist party. So really black people voting Conservative is like, what are you doing? But this is deeper than we think. Just process this with me. Go through this with me. White people are free and can vote for any party. And it doesn't necessarily become an attack on their racial identity. Okay, for example, if a white Democratic Party um, voter encounters a white Republican voter, or in the case of the UK, a white Conservative voter meets a white Labour Party voter, they will have clashes, of course, depending on the level of passion both have for the parties they support. They will have clashes. You know, one will accuse the other that they are letting the country down because they believe that the opposing party doesn't have the best interests of the country in mind. But none of them, none of them will attack the skin colour of the other. None of them. 
But the story immediately changes if it were a black person. Though the black person is American, is British, born in these countries, but if they don't vote for who it has been subliminally prescribed for them to vote for, then the issue is less about them letting their country down and more about them letting their race down or their collective group down. Bear in mind, this isn't only in relation to voting. This is in relation to anything else, you know, that the black community have socially deemed to be the black way, quote unquote. And, you know, just an aside note, just an observation. Perhaps the reason the majority of black people put their collective group before their country or the country they reside in is because maybe they genuinely feel that the country is not for their group. So it doesn't matter how much they, you know, are in the country systems, if there are, if they are in the, in the legal systems, if they are in police, even if they're in, in the bureaucratic systems, even if a member of their group is given some form of authority in this same system they complain about, this system that's unfavorable against them. You know, for example, Obama won the US presidential election for two terms, but they still don't believe, they they don't, they refuse to believe that the country accepts them or has their best interests in mind. It's crazy. So back to the subject matter of quote unquote being black. There's a lot of quote unquotes in this, in this episode. So being black, as you know, I was born in Nigeria. Um, Being black wasn't a subject matter in Nigeria, you know. There were no expectations or behavioral norms or constructs, you know, that were attached to the black skin. You know, in Nigeria, I was just Ada. I was just a full of life, intelligent, intuitive girl. Notice there isn't the word black in that description. But when I came to the UK... I was still that girl, but the only difference was that black became part of my description. And not only that, it seemed to be pushed to the forefront of my identity. So in other words, I went from being a full of life, intelligent, intuitive girl to being a black girl that was full of life, intelligent, beautiful, and naturally intuitive. And this wasn't an issue. After all, I am black. So being described as one is fine, but the problem was always trying to maintain some kind of image of blackness. And it it was more when I was with black people than when I was in white people, with white people. It it just felt that way. I know many people, I know a lot of black people say that they have pressure to try and fit into the white society, but I had pressure trying to fit into the black society because it was like, and before I go on, I know many black people say, well, the reason you felt um, the reason you felt, um, pressure to fit into the black society is because you're self-hating. That's the point. You're self-hating. You're uncomfortable in these groups because you are self-hating, you know, because of self-loathing, you loathe yourself. You can't be with your own people, quote unquote. So I've heard it all before, but no, it wasn't that. It was because in groups where everyone was black, there was always this underlying thought that one wrong word from me, one wrong idea or viewpoint, and then it would just end up with me having some tiring debate trying to defend my blackness. So it it was exhausting. It was exhausting trying to maintain my image of of blackness when all I wanted to be was just Ada. 
I didn't want every action of mine to be scrutinized. Well, is this for black people or against black people? I'm not trying to do things for or against groups. I'm just trying to live my life. And many people, 80% of people in these in the UK and US are trying to do so. Yes, there are a handful of white people who are so racist that it's their life mission to see black people fail. But they're also a, a small group of black people who believe that they are supreme, who believe that they have the right to gatekeep on what other black people do, that any black person that is not strictly in line with these invisible rules and regulations, you know, that someone has made up, is seen to be a friend of the enemy, which is quote unquote, the white person. So I know I'm... (laughs) I know I'm speaking very candidly and here is not to cause division or white people hate black people black. No, it's not that, but it's just to expose some thinking and to talk about things that aren't being talked about at the moment. For example, when I was in secondary school, this was when I was starting to become more and more conscious of my skin color when I came to the UK. I came to the UK a year before I started secondary school. I was becoming more conscious of the way I was supposed to act based on my skin color. You know, I remember, let's start with, I'm going to talk about different groups. So I remember receiving comments from white people, such as, you know, you're pretty for a black girl. Look, comments like these do come from racist intentions sometimes, but sometimes they come from ignorance. Then there were comments I heard from black people, such as, well, you're quiet for a black girl, you know, or you're weird for a black girl, you know. And the funny thing is that I wasn't really quiet. I mean, I wasn't necessarily like excessively loud, but I wouldn't have classed myself as quiet. I was quite talkative, but I've always been reserved somehow and calculative with my words, you know? So I've never really understood what solicited these kind of comments. But yes, in all, I received all kinds of comments, comments that pertained to my blackness. And thinking about it, I feel the reason I received them wasn't only because I was black, but I think also because I was African and I emigrated from Africa, you know, maybe that's why there were comments of me being weird. My culture was different. So maybe it was weird to them because for sure their culture was weird to me. But just because your culture is weird to someone else or different to someone else, doesn't mean that your culture is the right way and theirs is not. Your culture is the standard and theirs is the weird one. And this goes for, from all angles. I wasn't necessarily weird. I had different ways. I had different customs, different mannerisms, different cultural habits. Maybe they thought I was quiet because for example, when I was in class, I didn't play with my schoolwork. In class, I was silent. All I I cared about was the teacher in front of the classroom. There wasn't any answering back and that's how it is in Nigeria. We don't play when it comes to education, academia, studies. There's zero room for distractions or slackness in class, you know? There's no answering back. There's no small chit chats. So of course, I I automatically subconsciously transferred this mindset when I came to the UK, you know? And by the way, I'm not saying or implying that people don't take their education seriously here, but it is noticeably much more lenient here, you know, especially in terms of how the classes are run and what pupils are allowed to say and get away with compared to Nigeria. It's not better. It's not worse. You know, it's just different. In all, these comments, whoever it came from, it it leaves a mark, you know, it left a mark. It creates a lot of 
sort of um, confusion, inner issues, identity issues, questions, inner conflict, and a whole lot of other insecurities. Everyone is different, but for me, the comments I received from black people hurt me more. They stuck with me more, you know, because for example, we, we preach in this black, in the black community, we preach this collectivity, this oneness, this unity. I even remember receiving a comment. This was the one that stuck with me until today. I say a comment, um, but it started off as a comment, but quickly developed into something more menacing. His name was Jonah and he would call me. He would find every opportunity. As soon as he saw me, he would taunt me, mock me and call me Blick, Blick. The word Blick is colloquial. It's, it's, it's slang for really dark person, really, really black person. It's a racial slur, you know. This this guy, Jonah, is a black man now, but he was a boy then. So he was black and he was calling me a racial slur, you know, calling me blick. So it's very interesting, you know, and I never heard the word before he called me that. So it's very interesting that it was a black boy that I first heard this word from. Now, I'm going to stop here, but I want you, this is the first part of three, because I have to, I have a lot to say about being black and I want to continue the story of Jonah because it's, it's one that hugely formed the way I think about race relations and why sometimes this kumbaya harmonious idea that black people preach about all black people being one and together and united is not always accurate you don't want to miss it at all and it shows you the dynamics you know also among black people that is not as openly talked about you know and which which needs to be talked about you know I hope you join me on the next one. I hope you enjoyed this one. It was very deep. I know I I really opened up and I really spoke about a lot of things. But as I said, if you have any questions, if you want to talk about it more, if you want to continue this conversation, then just get at me, get at me. Um, If you also want advice um, about anything that you're facing, that you're going through, like those those few um, people reached out to me on my social media, you can do so as well. I'll be happy to listen to you. I'm not a trade anything, but I will listen and I will give you advice according to what I've been through and what I've done. Because my life, you know, my my journey has been an interesting one. Um, so I believe that I can offer you something that can can help you along your own personal journey. That's what life is. We help each other. I learn from you when you share your experiences and you, I'm sure, learn from me as well. So thank you for being here and I will talk to you all very soon. Okay, take it easy. Take care.